0: and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast on this Friday, June the 2nd. And wherever you are, whenever you are listening to this, I wish you God's life. I wish you God's grace. I wish you God's goodness today. Brothers and sisters, welcome to continued celebrations of God's action and God's goodness in our life. Now, what on earth does that mean? Well, we just finished celebrating 90 days of uh, of privilege time. Now, we, we live most of our life in ordinary time, right? The church does. We do as individuals, as communities. Um, but these last 90 days, 40 of them being Lent, 50 of them being the Easter season, that's what's called privilege time within the church. It's, it's special time set aside uh, to remember, to walk with, uh, to invite us along on this journey and participate with our God in a special way. Well, you know, you'd think that that finished last week when we celebrated the uh, the Feast of Pentecost. I mean, in a certain sense, it did, because during the weekday, we are now back into ordinary time. But on this weekend and next weekend, so on June the 4th and on June the 11th, uh, the church continues with two more feast days. Uh, this weekend, that feast is the Feast of the... I'm going to say it exactly uh, correctly, the solemnity, that means it's a high feast day, the solemnity of the most holy trinity, right? Already those eyes can begin glazing over and think, oh Lord, hey, hey! at least you're on that side of the podcast and not on this side. Who gets to try to help us understand that, huh? Put yourself in my shoes here for a minute, huh? Would you? Uh, next week we'll celebrate the most holy body and blood, uh, but that's for next week. This week, the Solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity. So what we're going to do, we're going to read the first reading, again, as we've been doing. Uh, This one comes out of Exodus. So that's, again, part of the Pentateuch, the five most important books in the Hebrew Scriptures. Exodus chapter 34, verses 4b to 6, then 8 to 9. Don't know why we're skipping 7, but we're skipping it. 4b to 6, 8 to 9. And then we will jump to the gospel, as we were wont to do, right? Short one and a very powerful one. John chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. What Martin Luther called the heart of the gospel, the gospel within the gospel. Um, beautifully said because it's, you know, beautifully uh, uh, phrased and, and put before us. As always, brothers and sisters, invite you simply to open yourself, however you do that. Doesn't matter a lick to me however you do it, to invite yourself to take on this word and take in this word. And, and in whatever small, minute way, because this is what we're invited to do, to become the word more, right? We just want to chew on it. So I invite you to, to pause this, whatever that is, pray. Uh, just invite that Holy Spirit to let this word find root within you, that it may help become the or you become this word more and more, okay? Boy, that'll be a good one to talk about more as we move along the podcast. I hope I remember to do it. Might not. Um, So let's just open ourselves to God's word. A reading from the book of Exodus. Early in the morning, Moses went up Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him, taking along the two stone tablets. Having come down in a cloud, the Lord stood with Moses there and proclaimed his name, Lord. Thus the Lord passed before him and cried out, The Lord, the Lord, a merciful and gracious God, slow to anger and rich in kindness and fidelity. Moses at once bowed down to the ground in worship. Then he said, If I find favor with you, O Lord, do come along in our company. This is indeed a stiff-necked people, yet pardon our wickedness and sins and receive us as your own. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And again, allow this word to take root in whatever way that is. I often say this, now forgive for those who've heard it way too many times. Was there a word that stuck out to you? Is there a phrase? Was there an idea? Was there an image? Sit with that. Let God speak to us through that. And that may you may not have gotten anything. Well, open yourself into, to the gospel here, because it may come here. And so our reading uh, from the Holy Gospel according to John. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him might not perish but might have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe has already been condemned, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. My friends, the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now often, in fact, almost always, the first reading in the gospel, the first reading is chosen specifically to go along with the gospel, right? These are two very powerful readings. So how exactly was that first reading chosen to go along with the gospel? Put a pin in that, shall we? We're going to come back to that. So here's what I want to get to, and this may seem a kind of a, a, a tangential way to get around to the point, and I'll, I, you know, as always, I promise I'll, I'll try not to speak as long as I I, 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 I have every good intent not to, but then I just get going. Okay, so here's the tangential way that I want to get to it. The ancient Jewish peoples had a great respect for the name of God, and they did not use it. Uh, when they could. Now, this is kind of an odd first reading, right? Uh, Moses goes up. This is after the Ten Commandments had already been given, right? So he goes back up with the stone tablets. Um, And uh, this is after the people have already worshipped the golden calf. They've done all that. Moses goes back up onto the mountain, Mount Sinai, and meets God there, okay? Uh, Incredible, by the way, because most people, you you cannot... uh, Be one you cannot meet, you cannot see, you cannot entertain the presence of God and live. Uh, But Moses does; it changes everything about him, changes his appearance. Remember, he comes down and he's glowing in a sense. They have to put a veil over him, if you remember that, just to just to keep it because they couldn't, you know, even really look at him because the 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 inner beauty or or the goodness of God just shown so much through him because he was in the presence of God. Anyway, that's a tangent of a tangent. Um, the the Jewish people so respected the word of, of the name of the Lord that they changed it in their scripture. Okay, so you're going to hear it now when I say this again. Having come down in a cloud, the Lord stood with Moses there and proclaimed his name, Lord. <laughs> That's a, a really boy talk about anticlimactic. The Lord stood with Moses there and proclaimed his name, Lord. That'd be like saying, and Joe came and stood with the, the you know, people there and, and proclaimed his name, Joe. Joe, Joe, a merciful and gracious Joe. You know, I mean, it's like, okay, Lord is a title. It's not a name, right? Lord's a title. And if you read the scripture, like literally have it in front of you, Lord is capitalized. Why? Because they've taken the name of God out of it and placed in it a title. Uh, it, they generally would, would say Adonai here, which which is, means the name Lord. You know, it's, it's um, you know, this title that they give God. And later, the Christians follow and give the name, you know, Dominus, or Domini, or and, and Deus, uh, meaning God. And so we do the same thing. Lord, God, titles. For what is that name? Well, it's a tetragrammaton. Okay, now I tell you that not to, to make myself look smart, but so you at parties can bring this out and, and wow people or win trivia contests. Contest. The tetragrammaton, which is the name of God, is a capital Y H W H. You've probably seen it before Y H W H, all capitals we have pronounced it Yahweh or Yahweh, okay? But because the Jewish people had such a great respect for it, they didn't pronounce it. Um, you may remember, uh, and, and, and the, the Christians, by the way, followed this practice and used the title Lord or God in Scripture. Um, and, uh, and for whatever reason that we kind of got away from that, and you may remember one of the songs that we used to sing at Mass, at least I remember, is uh, Yahweh, I know you are near, standing always at my side. Well, that 2008, the Vatican came out with a, uh, a publication that said, hey, let's go back to this idea that we're going to use a title for the name of God and, and not become so familiar with it. Uh, and, and so they changed the lyrics to that song. And so now we sing it, Oh Lord. I know you are near, standing always at my side. Why? Because God is unnameable. Okay, here's where the tangent finds its root. I'm coming home now. The the name of God is beyond. To name something means, in a sense, to have power over it. And God is beyond name. God is unnamed because God is unknowable. God is ineffable, right? God is always beyond. God is always mystery. And God cannot be put into the name of of whatever name is given. God is above it, is beyond it. And that's what this... (laughs) Long way, you know, you wonder why these dang things go so long. That's why this feast day finds itself in the same vein. Brothers and sisters, God is beyond being named not just with this tetragrammaton. God is beyond being defined because God is always bigger. God is always bigger. And to the extent, my friends, that you hear or I hear the the word, the most holy trinity, and we think of an aged man, uh, usually white, sitting on a throne with a big white beard, and uh, a, a son, you know, usually... Um, brown or black haired with a beard as well, maybe a crown on his head, sitting to the right hand of, of this aged creature. And then maybe a, a, a bird, you know, flying within and around or, or, you know, among these two characters. To the extent that that becomes our image of Trinity, I invite you today to blow that image up. Unless, of course, it helps you. If it helps you, that's great. That's great. But the bottom line is, so often we find ourselves saying, okay, that's the image of the Trinity, I'll hold on to that, that's what God is, and, and I'm just going to move on. And I invite us to blow it up because I don't know that that's helpful. In fact, I think it might be harmful. Um, and to move into a greater mystery that will not define it. Brothers and sisters, if you come here today to help this Trinity be defined, oh my Lord have mercy, how can I do that within 20 Ha, who we fool in 25 minutes of a podcast. But here's what I invite us into. We know, I mean, again, throw away all your conceptions or, or, or what you think the Trinity is. And, and let's ask ourselves some tough questions. How did the world come to be? How did the universe come to be? How did, uh, how did there get to be stars in the sky or a sun? How did there get to be this force called gravity? How did there get to be beautiful blue uh, lakes uh, or or um, uh, rain that that comes down to water crops? how did how did there get to be all these diverse creatures? How did there get to be oxygen around us that we can breathe? How did all this come into being? How, you know whatever it is we, we keep going on, you get the point and that's the one that we call the one who who, our Jewish brothers and sisters uh, did the story about right in Exodus. On the, on the first day, you know, there was chaos, and the spirit hovered over the waters, and the and 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 God said, "Let there be light," and there was light, and it was good. You know that taking chaos and ordering it, that that setting things in motion and bring it out. <laughs> you know, again, this is unnameable, but there was an essence. There was a spirit. There was a being. There was a force that called all of this into being and took chaos and created order and goodness and life and, and love and, and direction and, uh, and whatever it is out of it. And that's the one that met Moses on this hill this one that named himself that that is beyond name the one that is beyond our image okay so so we know that essence that essence of life that essence of love that thing that we know is good um and creates and and that is is this this being this force but yet but yet We know that there was another essence that walked among us that helped us understand this essence even better. And it was a person. But yet, if this person held the fullness of God, how is all this other stuff happening? So we know that the Jews said God is one. You know, it it was the very first commandment they had. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There's not two gods. There's not five gods. There's not 500 gods. There is one God. There's one God, there's one Lord, again, to use these titles. Um, but yet, this person of Jesus, this human being, this man, somehow held the image of God and his disciples, those people who met him, those people, not just his disciples, beyond that, people who knew, Gentiles knew, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and I should be healed. I was a Gentile, I was a Roman, Right? People who encountered this person knew they encountered somehow. Some of them said the living God. Some did not. You know, some just didn't name it because they weren't sure. Paul named it later, right, when he said Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus himself names it in John a few weeks back, right? Philip, have you been with me all this time? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. So somehow, Jesus names this image. Creative force, this entity, uh, yeah, uh, Abba, Daddy, somebody, and, and, and don't again think male. We fall into that that pattern. Um, but just this this idea that this force is as close to us as our loving parent, whatever parent is the the one that would be that image for us, right? And but yet Jesus says, "I and the Father are one," and so somehow we know more about who this God is by this person Jesus. But yet, Jesus then uh, dies, rises, ascends to the Father. So he can send this advocate. And and here's my point, and I'll I'll, I'll try to sum up. But that somehow this spirit is still among us. That we participate, that we feel God's presence now. And I don't see Jesus walking around. And I know that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm walking on our better days on our better days, we know that we participate in the love of God, in the life of God, in the goodness of God, in the mission of God, in the, uh, in the building of the kingdom of God, right? I, I mentioned it last week. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Whenever we are living in those spaces we are participating in something of God. Well, how do we do that? Because of that, that advocate that Jesus says he, he sent to us that we celebrated last week, that that one somehow that Jesus is still among us. We know this person Jesus isn't walking here anymore. We know he was the fullness of God. We know somehow that that spirit lives in me, and yet he lives in you on the other side of this podcast. How can that spirit be in both places at once? And so that's what we name this Holy Spirit that somehow we are interconnected in this fullness of Jesus Christ because he continues to be present to us today. In fact, that I, I argue even more that that spirit lives within us. Within us. That it is that spark of life. It is that spark of the divine. Now, I'm going to use a uh, Meister Eckhart quote. And and this is so good. Meister Eckhart lived back in the like 13th, 14th century. Uh, a German, I want to say Dominican, don't don't quote me. Um, but here he says this. Um, the, the seed of a pear tree grows into the, you know, he said, first of all, he says, the seed of God is within us. The seed of a pear tree grows into a pear tree. The seed of an apple tree goes into an apple tree, but the seed of God grows into God that seed of god which is within us that very essence of life that invites us to participate in the world that is what we call the holy spirit ultimately what i'm saying is that god was there at the beginning that god walked among us because we needed that to see what god looked like because god can be pretty scary at a distance and and that spirit remains among us even today but yet god is one and it is beyond our naming. Brothers and sisters, we know all these things to be true. And yet, we try to name it in saying it's the trinity. And over the years, many theologians have tried to explain it. And we can't because it's beyond us. It's beyond us. All this celebration does is invite us to name the fact that God is still present. That God comes to us in ways that we do not expect. In ways that Moses didn't. In ways that uh, that the people at Jesus' time didn't. And the ways that we still today don't expect. But that doesn't stop God from coming. This is the God who was with us before, who is with us now, and will be with us tomorrow and next year and 20 years from now and two millennium from now. Because that's who God is. Last things I'll say. Is in this is how I tie the gospel and the first reading together. I love it because I love how Moses at the end here bows down in worship of this one who is unnameable and beyond um, our description and says, if you, if I find favor with you, Lord, do come along in our company. He is at the Moses at the foot of the one at the very essence of life and says, come along in our company. And that's why the gospel has God coming along in our company. How? In the person of Jesus. In In this way of love. For God so loved the world that he said, yes, I will come along in your company. Why? How? So that everyone who believes in him might not die, might not perish, but have eternal life. And this, for God did not send the Son, Jesus, this essence of, of God's very self into the world to condemn the world. But know that the world might be saved through him, that the world may know that God is absolutely for us and among us. And it is this spirit that remains with us. God is beyond description. God will come in surprising ways. When we are surprised by God, just know That's the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's the presence of the one who continues to walk with us. We celebrate God at the beginning, God in the now, God in the yet to come. God, we say, is Alpha and Omega. Again, that's churchy words. God is the beginning and the end, but he's there all in the middle. And we celebrate this one that we cannot name and we cannot define, but we celebrate God's indefinable um, presence in our midst even now. And so let's pray. Like last week, I don't know where we are in the rosary particularly, so I'm just going to this week and next week pull out ones that kind of honor that feast day. So let's begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The third joyful mystery, uh, the incarnation. Jesus is born. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O oh, my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. My friends, bless you. Thank you for being present and bringing open God's Word with me this day. May you be well and experience God's presence and peace